Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Hey, welcome to episode 64 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I'm here on a mission to help marketers and founders like you sharpen their marketing skills by talking to some of today's top experts. Today, I have the conversion copywriter expert, Jen Havis. Jen has been featured on the blog for Unbounds, Conversion XL, and Copy Hackers. Imagine if you could connect with your website visitors the moment they land on your website. They understand exactly what kind of value your product or solution provided, and they're eager to join your email list or hit that buy button. That's what Jen does for companies that she works with. She turns data, user research, customer interviews, and surveys into irresistible website copy that makes visitors just say yes. Now, in this episode 64, you'll learn first, how do you build data-backed buyer personas and not just the fluffy stuff that you always run into? Second, Jen's favorite questions to ask in surveys to understand the motivations and triggers and pain points of buyers. And third, the biggest mistakes most websites make when it comes to copy conversion. Now, Jen gives out so many good tips to improve your website's conversion rate from this episode. So why take notes when you can just steal all the good stuff, my notes, directly from the website? Go to growthtoday.fm forward slash 64 to get it now, or you can find the link in the description. There you'll also find a detailed show notes. Now, before we jump in, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. This is a one-person show. I record, edit, and create all my marketing materials for this podcast in my free time. So I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They're a demand generation and ops agency. Check them out at 42agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R. T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters, the early adopted patrons who make this podcast possible. Jamie from Las Vegas, Veronica from London, UK, Mauricio Marcias from Brazil, Nicholas Vargas from Sydney, Sam Grover from New Zealand, Joseph Valenti from Canada, Louis Nichols from Switzerland. Well, enough about me. Let's jump in in my chat with Jen. Hey everybody, I'm excited to have Jen here. I just read her book, uh, Finding Your Messaging, and it was so good. I've been telling marketers to get it. How's it going, Jen? How are things with you? Oh, great. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Where are you calling from this morning? I am just outside of Minneapolis, so the Twin Cities area. Nice. And is it is it getting cold there, just like here in Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're having a stretch of three beautiful days and then the okay. bottom's going to drop out and it's going to get cold. Um, I'm just not looking forward to that at all. Same. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big winter guy. I, I, I like my summers and spring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's jump in. I, I, I want to talk about the stuff that you've been working on, but before we do that, I want to hear a little bit about how you got into conversion copywriting. I, I love hearing the stories because it's so diverse from different people. Like Val Geiser came from theater and like a lot of other people came from like programming. So can you share a little bit about like how you got to where you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say I went down this path about 10 years ago and um, and I really started with uh, content writing and I was actually doing 
um, a lot of blog writing, sort of social commentary type stuff. Um, and that just actually led me into the world of social media. Uh, and I was helping some clients with that. And then from there, I went down the conversion copywriting rabbit hole um, and really went deep into that and just spent probably about four years of just training, um, doing that and really understanding the ins and outs of it. And then um, got very interested in the qualitative research end of things and the customer research end of things. So still doing some of the copywriting, but um, more digging deep into the customer interviews, surveys, uh, the qualitative end of things a bit more than the quantitative um, and how as marketers um, and copywriters, we can really understand what's motivating customers to do what they're doing, uh, what's behind their decision-making processes, and then taking all of those findings and being a little bit of a sleuth, you know, going through the funnel, going through websites, going through even retention programs and figuring out where is it not resonating for people? Um, where is it not clicking for people? Where are the problems? And how can we take what we found and improve the experience really for the customer? Um, so the end goal, obviously, for the businesses is to increase conversions, um, get better leads, sell more of whatever they're selling. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really about helping the customers achieve their goals and, you know, better connecting with them and engaging with them so that they continue to want to be customers. And that's where your book really comes in. One of the things you said about connecting with your customers, and this is something that has been in near and dear in my heart as well, is the buyer persona trap. You know, when businesses rely on your creative thinking to determine who their customers are and how they can connect with them, what is that persona trap? And why do most marketers really get buyer personas so wrong? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, just as sort of an aside, I remember writing uh, an article for Conversion Excel. It was probably three years ago, maybe four years ago. And it was all about data-driven personas and and sort of the the problem with not understanding your customers and using personas that are based on no research or just demographic research and the problems with that it has gotten crazy traction i mean i still have people who will reach out to me and say, oh, I read that. That was really great. I mean, I just, I think that there's a disconnect for people about personas and doing them in a way that's going to be really helpful for your marketing and, and drive growth or drive whatever you're trying to do forward. And the big problem is that a lot of marketers just rely on basic demographics you know, sort of those old school personas that are, let's 
paste a picture of, <laughs> you know, Susie, you know, the hobby homemaker, whatever. And, you know, these are her stats, you know, her gender and where she lives and, and all of that sort of thing. And, and they might dive a little bit into psychographics, but they're really just based on a lot of sort of demographic behavior. They're just sort of looking for correlations between characteristics of maybe different target audiences, which is not really going to help you understand the reasons behind buyer behavior and decision-making. So that's, that's where I really see them going wrong. And in my own work that I've done for clients, when they've come to me and said, oh, we've done all that research and um, we've had somebody else do personas or put together information or findings on our target audiences. And then I get that information and it doesn't mean that all of it is terrible or not useful, but it's not really answering the questions Mm. that I particularly need answered when it comes to helping these businesses with conveying the overall value of their offering or what's wrong with their positioning or where people are getting lost on their website, things like that. So that's, that's really where the the big problem with a lot of the existing sort of quote unquote personas are. Is it because marketers are lazy or is it because that's what we've been taught from the beginning? This is how you do buyer personas, just do Susie the hobbyist and then add their needs and their pain points and just figure that out. Like, is it just what, how we're taught like that? Or is it more because we don't want to go out and actually find the real answer? I think it's a combination of a few things. I, you know, one is, I think it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it takes work. It's, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily something that you can just kind of throw together in half an hour. It, mm. it takes actual research and you need to know how to do it properly. Um, so it's it's not rocket science, but at the same time, right. depending on what you're trying to find out, you need to have a very targeted way of going about it and process. So part of it is just sort of knowing how to do it um, and and having a good process for doing that. And I think a lot of marketers don't have that, um, particularly when it comes to marketing, uh, to messaging and, and positioning type work. Um, I think it's also maybe a piece of it is that's how they were taught. Um, mm, and, right. and like I said, it's not as if, you know, we should just throw out the baby with the bathwater that, that lumping everything into personas are bad. You know, I think that's, that's not a good thing to do either because there, there are definitely people out there doing persona work that is good and is helpful. I do think that there's just a portion of it that just doesn't dive deeply enough into it and isn't really looking at, you know, why people are doing what they're doing and, you know, it's not behavior driven. Um, it's not about uncovering your customers. It's not about uncovering your customers' decision making processes. And so, yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I think it's it's and it, like I said, it is time consuming. So mm. I, I don't want to say marketers in general are lazy. I don't 
I don't think that's fair <laughs> at all. Yeah, um, I agree. But but you know, hey, sure, I'm sh- I'm sure there are some lazy ones out there too. And and <laughs> doing the customer research for some people is just not fun or sexy, and right. it's not really what they want to do. It's like, hey, let's do something else that's more fun and creative. That's true. No, that's I totally I totally agree. I think it is very time consuming, but it's totally worth it. And that's what I want to jump in is talking about how to really dig deep into your customers. In your in your book, when you talk about writing copy that converts visitors into customers, you talked about looking at four different things: looking at motivations, pain points, hesitations, and triggers. Can you talk a little bit about why those four things are? are important into like really understanding your customer's psyche. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like at some point pretty soon, I'm going to need to get in there and do an update to my book. <laughs> um, Cause all of these marketing yes, books, <laughs> I'll buy that right. <laughs> yeah. All these marketing books, you know, they, they, they're great. And then, you know, within a few years um, you've, you've evolved or, things have changed slightly. And so for me, really everything in there still holds true, but um, I've refined my process a little bit more. And, and I was just taking a step back. I mean, even when I wrote this book, I was, and I do reference it in the book, using jobs to be done as kind of an underlying framework, which is that whole idea that, you know, we hire products or solutions to help us get a job done that we, you know, to overcome some sort of struggle that we're going through. And so I I do use that as kind of an underlying framework. And I didn't dive deep into it into the book because I you know, I think when I was putting the book together, I wanted to keep it not simple, but not get too far into the weeds with some of that. But what I've with my existing framework and how I think of things, there's really there's there's more than just those four things to think about. So when I think of um, something like motivation, that's going to be, you know, what are the motivating triggers or drivers behind one, why someone seeks out your product? And that's one of the first things to, to think about. And from a quote unquote jobs to be done perspective, that I consider what they would call the push. So what is it in the customer's world or, or mindset that's pushing them towards seeking you out. And then, and so I sort of have these things bucketed a little bit how I've done in the book, but, but I've got a few more of them that I, I really incorporate into when I'm helping clients with this. So another one would be what we might consider differentiators. And that from a jobs to be done perspective would be the pull. So what's, And so I like to think of it as what's unique about your product or solution that's actually drawing customers in. And and to me, that's really what are the differentiators. So what, what do existing customers absolutely love, find the most helpful, useful, whatever about your product or solution? Then there are things like if you want to think of them as pains or sort of the the struggles, 
So in a jobs to be done perspective, these would be more in terms of the job you want the solution to get done for you. So what's the struggle that you need to overcome? And then there are things like hesitations to purchase. So what's holding you back from buying? Um, That's another type of question that we need to have answered. Habits, what existing solutions or way of doing things are getting in the way of change? Like what are people using right now? Or are they jury rigging solutions, multiple solutions to get a job done? Um, like those are things that you really want to know. And then desired outcomes. So you you always really want to know what do people want to achieve by using your solution or what have they achieved? You know, if you've talked to existing customers and then as far as quote unquote triggers, because this is a really good exercise for me. I went back (laughs) through my book um, and I sort of, you know, really equate that with, and I don't really go into it in the book, but this will be a good thing to update with is what is your customer's state of awareness? Like, where are they in the buyer journey? So, you know, I do mention in the book, you know, things like button copy or, you know, where placement of where you're putting quote unquote triggers that you want people to act on. So, you know, you wouldn't necessarily want to have, you know, send people to a landing page for, a $20,000 something. And immediately when they land, you're asking them to buy, you know, it's sort of, you know, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, marry them on the first date kind of thing. They're going to need more. Um, so, so all of these things I like to kind of think of as, as almost like the, the buckets uh, types of things that we need to get answered in order to put together messaging and copy um, in a way that's going to address all of these these things that um, that are most critical to to people when they're interacting with whatever type of marketing asset that you have. Now, when it comes to answering those kind of questions. You know, we can do surveys, we can do customer interviews. Uh, and then in the book, you suggested doing pop-up questions right on the website. How do you decide between survey versus customer interviews versus pop-up question? Or should we just do all of thing, all of them at the same time? You know, it, it depends on a few things. It depends on <laughs> what types of questions you're, you need to get answered. It depends on, you know, in terms of things like pop-up questions on a website. Well, that's somewhat dependent on your traffic. You know, if you're, (laughs) if you're getting, you know, a thousand visitors a month, chances are you're not going to get enough responses, uh, even to a one question pop-up. Um, that's going to be super helpful. Uh, I mean, you could let it run for months on end um, and potentially, you know, any any sort of feedback you get might be helpful. But, um, you know, that it, it, it's somewhat traffic dependent on that. Um, so, you know, when I've been dealt with uh, B2B enterprise SaaS businesses. I mean, a lot of those don't necessarily get that much traffic or at least to the marketing end of their site. So it can be, it can be tough. 
So in that, in, in that situation, particularly, it may be a lot more helpful to rely more heavily on interviewing existing clients, interviewing the customer success team to find out what types of problems people are having. And, um, and then it's also in terms of sending out a survey by email, that's really dependent to a certain extent on the list and how mm. engaged um, the customer base is. So I've had B2C companies that have had huge lists and have had what seem like relatively engaged customer base and have not gotten that great of a response to the survey. Sometimes I have. And um, if, if it's, if they've got almost sort of like a raving fan base uh, that loves to give feedback, you can get a huge amount of responses. Um, it's interesting though. I did have a, a B2B SaaS product that you would think you would not get a whole lot of responses to. We got like a thousand responses. What? Yeah, it was insane. And so in that um, instance, a good chunk of the questions were open-ended. So it's diminishing returns. You're not going to want to go through a thousand open-ended responses (laughs) um, for each question. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, So in that case, you know, I I usually limit it to about 150 where I'm really digging into the, into the open-ended responses, but, but the, the multiple choice, um, yes, no questions, those type of questions, the more, the better. I mean, it's, you know, if you can get um, 500 responses, that's terrific. I want to talk about that, about surveys, because I feel like, well, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm good at sending surveys because I often ask leading questions. Mm. So, so what, are, what are some best practices when it comes to actually serving, sending surveys that will get you results that's un- unbiased or that will actually tell you something about your customers? Right. Again, it, it sort of depends what you're hoping to achieve uh, with the survey. But yeah, definitely you want to try to avoid bias as much as possible. Um, So you don't want to ask questions that include adjectives that are going to lead the person along like, um, why do you love our phenomenal software? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good one. Yeah, you know, things like that. It's like, well, um, okay. That's a little bit leading there. So, um, So there's just... Things to think about in, in that sense, in terms of making sure that uh, you keep the questions as objective as possible. Like I said, again, it really depends on what you're trying to learn for the survey. But I, one thing that I always find really helpful, if it's you know, if, if it's something that makes sense for your particular survey, but. Uh, getting respondents to self-identify. So that might be, you know, you might already have an idea of the four different types of people coming to your site or types of customers. And I always like to base it instead of necessarily on, you know, a descriptor of, of, what they do, like astronaut or whatever, um, <laughs> if that's who you're surveying, um, is have them self-identify by by behavior. 
So what they're, it might be like what they're looking to, it might be what they're looking to achieve coming to the site or, you know, where they are sort of in their state of awareness. Um, so they're, it, you know, behavior driven, like I'm, I'm looking to just get information about X. Um, another mm. one might be, um, I already know I want to start using a solution like X and I'm ready to buy or whatever. So it's, it's kind of a nice way of getting people to self-identify where they're at in their journey. That's a, that's a really good one. Are there any other go-to questions you, you go, uh, that you usually add? I mean, I know it depends on what they're trying to learn, but you try to ask, for example, where they hang out online. I guess that like a go-to question that you, that you might have. Sometimes. Um, and that would be, that might be more framed around, um, you know, where did you first hear about us? Or, um, you know, and, and that one might be a multiple choice where you have a pretty good idea of the top four places. And then you have the last option be open-ended like other, and then let people write in. Um, so then it gives you a good idea. Wow. We're really, we're really off the mark here because 40% of people put other, and then they wrote in, heard about us on a Reddit thread or something. And we had no idea that, that we were being talked about there. Um, so in that sense, something like that might be really helpful for giving you some other directions to look, to see what people are saying about you um, and where they're searching for you online. What kind of questions would you ask to like learn people, uh, your customers' motivations and pain points do you ask what do you love about the tool or like what what's a good way to, to ask that without without leading them on essentially yeah so to better understand what's driving them a good one is always something along the lines of what was happening in your life or what was happening in your business mm. um that pushed you to, um, this can be rewritten. I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but that, yeah. <laughs> that pushed you to seek out a solution such as X. So, um, what's really good about that type of question is you're getting more at the heart of, um, what was, what was the the pain? What was the struggle? What was going on in your life that that motivated you to seek out a solution? Um, so then it it becomes a little bit more about you know the circumstances behind what you sought yeah. out and and the behavior behind the decision making, and and that's what's really critical because you want to dig down to causation, you know? Right. So what, what drives behavior versus necessarily going back to kind of old school personas correlation, you know, what's, what are defining characteristics of, you know, all these different types of 
people in an audience and then trying to make sense of, well, this person has these different types of characteristics. And so then they bought this particular type of right. um, scissors or, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but that doesn't really tell you why. And, and that goes back to the jobs to be done. You're really trying to get to that first thought or that first like triggering moment, essentially that made, that made them buy essentially. Right. Exactly. And, and to understand, um, you know, what's going on in a person's life from mm. an emotional perspective right. uh, or a social perspective um, as, you know, from jobs to be done theory, it's not just about the functional. So a lot of times, you know, you'll go to websites and I hate to pick on SAS, but I <laughs> see it a lot there where you, you know, you land and it's just a laundry list of features. You know, it's all yeah. about what we do. And it's not really giving visitors a good idea of why they'd want to be using this particular solution, what sort of value it's going to provide and how it's going to provide that value in a particular circumstance based on, you know, what's going on in those people's lives or businesses. That's that's core to their target audience. When we come back in just a moment, Jen shares an example of company that implemented her copy conversion process and the result that she got. And how do you find a balance between talking about your features and the benefits on your website? I just want to say a quick thanks to my sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. I've known the founder of that agency for some time now, Camille Rexton. Now, if you need help trying to grow a revenue pipeline, for your B2B SaaS business, then you need to talk to Camille Rexton. He will help you out. He has implemented new tech stacks, streamlined operations, and designed ABM and demand generation strategies for companies such as OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogix, FlexDay, and more. You can get a free roadmapping session for your revenue pipeline right now at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R two.agency forward slash GMT. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters. Now, if you don't like ads like this, support me for as little as $2 per episode for an ad-free version of this podcast. I know some folks are like, oh, I don't want the ads. You can get the ad-free version for just as little as $2 per episode. You'll also know who I have coming up as guests, be part of a private Slack group, and have monthly AMA video calls with me. You can go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to help with the cost to maintain and grow this podcast. Enough about this. Let's jump back into Jan to share about a company that should help increase their conversion rate. Is there any particular SaaS company that you looked at their website? It's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. I can't give you the um, the the client name, but a, a current client that well, I've finished up the project, but they're now finally implementing um, everything that, you know, the recommendations. And, and for this client, I actually did the copy for them for their site. They are a SaaS um, company. But what's interesting about them is they were sort of caught in that classic, uh, mm. you know, let's talk about features, a lot of what we do um, versus 
really hitting home how their solution is going to be a great fit for their target audiences. And and they had an, uh, a double challenge because they actually have to speak to two entirely separate oh, no. audiences um, that are like two sides of the coin. Um, it's, it's basically helping these two different target audiences connect. Wow. And then they have a SaaS solution that um, where they can, they can, you know, connect within the, within the solution. Right. So it's not only talking about that solution, but it's also t- sort of tar- talking about their marketplace. And, and then you've got to speak to two different, two different audiences. And so, you know, so that really provided a, a, a challenge, um, you know, sort of figuring that out, but, but also digging into, um, it was kind of a classic case of, we know we're not connecting with our audience um, and we really want more qualified leads, um, but we're not quite sure how to do that. And mm-hmm. so at least, you know, they were aware that they had the problem, but but then being able to go in and, you know, not only do the research to figure out what all the the motivations and hesitations and all that kind of stuff was, but then portraying that on the website in a way that helped both target audiences have a clear path to doing what they needed to do. So that's a little bit, that was something that came to mind for me, just in the sense that, you know, I, not only do I get some of these companies as clients, but I just, I see it online a lot. And, um, and, and some of them know that, that, that it's an issue and others, I think somewhat aware, but, but it's, it's not a priority to change. I'm curious. And this is something that I also see very often. And thank you for pointing out that SaaS companies, they talk about their features a lot. How, how can they find the balance with, they do. They need to talk about the features at some point to like sell the product, but they also they should also talk about the benefits. Like, how did you find that balance for that client of yours when it comes to the copy? Right. Well, and 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 the features are critical. I mean, you know, people need to know this thing does and and what you know components it has to it. Um, so that that really goes to to any offering. Um, you know, I think. The the most important thing to remember, whether it's a SaaS business or a B2C business, is really understanding where your prospects are on their journey. So when they right. land, and, and that goes back to this whole idea of state of awareness. In the case of that client that I was helping, it was... It was a matter of figuring out where each audience was. And one audience was more aware than another. Um, but you know, then it was kind of a matter of figuring out who we're gonna target talk to the most and then create a different way for the other target audience to move through the site. But with the one audience, they were fairly aware of the solution because they had been already referred by colleagues. Right. They, they, they had sort of a sense of what this thing was and how it worked. Uh, but at the same time, 
they weren't entirely uh, how it was going to provide enough value. So, you know, in that sense, I mean, we we needed to to really hit home on, um, you know, where the value was going to be for you know this one particular audience, um, mm. and and so in terms of the actual you know, features that since they already had somewhat of an idea of, of what this thing was, we didn't need to push those too far down, uh, and just completely hammer on the pain points and the problem because they were fairly aware of that. Um, but at the same time, it it wasn't necessarily something we were going to lead with. Right. Oh, that's, that's good. I actually want to take a step back and I, I miss a segment there where like, how do you turn, you know, your research and your surveys and your interviews into actual copy? Like how, where, where, what's the step in between the research to the actual copy? What I end up doing um, is I'll take all of that research and I will basically filter it through my framework that I have. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always going to be slightly different depending on the client, but it's more or less a repeatable process. So it, for me, it's really looking at those different buckets that I talked about before, um, you know, which was the push, the pull, uh, you know, motivation, differentiators, that, that type of thing. And, the questions that I ask, um, whether it's in surveys or interviews or or even, you know, going through existing testimonials and message mining, I'm always looking for answers to particular questions that will fit into those buckets um, that I know are key to um, developing copy that's going to be most helpful um, whether it's on a website or a landing page or whatever. So, so I, I take the answers and, and I basically dump them into these buckets. And if I've got things that are open-ended, open-ended questions, I'll literally categorize Mm -hmm. those, those answers, um, within each bucket to get an idea and then tally them up so that I get an idea of, wow, this particular category slash theme came up 40 times, you know, so that's, that's really central, you know, and that might be the main desired outcome that we need to hit on, or, you know, this particular hesitation to purchase came up 50% of the time. Well, okay, like, we're going to really need to address this. Mm -hmm. And so then it's about taking all of that. And um, I end up putting together, you know, a whole messaging document um, that outlines everything. And then from there, figure out, okay, how are we going to actually apply all this, whether it's to the copy um, and even to the layout, you know, how things are seen on the page and how they flow. I like how that you describe that. I imagine it's like Lego blocks where like you have different bricks and you're actually trying to pull the right kind of bricks to actually build a house made of Lego. <laughs> <laughs> made of little messages. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, 
I think it sheds light on people thinking that copywriters are this creative geniuses that just pull words out of the cloud or or somewhere, <laughs> right? You're actually putting it together, so to speak. Yeah, and I, you know, I think for me, uh, and and these days I don't do as much of the copy as I do just the straight research and then, um, you know, figuring out what the messaging problems are and then coming up with sort of more strategic recommendations of what to do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, I think that copywriters sometimes get a little bit of a bad name, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with being creative. And to a certain extent, I mean, I think that's the secret sauce where you're, taking all of this research and figuring out how to strategically build an argument and put it all on the page in a way that's going to convert the best and even using voice of customer. So you're using Mm. actual snippets of language they're using. So it resonates, but then putting that all together and infusing a bit of personality into it. I mean, that's, that is where that maybe secret sauce bit of creativity comes in, but you know, 95% of it from kind of a conversion perspective is going to be really relying on that research. I'm just about to hit the hour. I have a few more questions. Just last question about interviews uh, and research is how do you do customer research if you don't have any customers? <laughs> <laughs> I know it can be tough. There's definitely things you can do. Uh, so if, you know, let's say you're a startup and you hardly have any customers and it just is not going to make sense to send out a survey, anything like that. Um, one of the things you can do that is can be super helpful is doing a like a pay per respondent survey. So using something like SurveyMonkey or Pollfish, where you, you know, you create some sort of screener question to make sure that to make sure that you're getting the best possible type of respondent. And then doing a survey that way. So they would be, you know, hopefully within your target prospect customer type base. Um, so that's that's one way. Um, and then another way beyond that is interviewing again, it you know, if you can find anyone who would be within that sort of prospective target audience, um, doing some of that. And then on top of that, you could do something like message mining, where you're going to review sites, um, Reddit threads, forums, anything like that, where they're talking about a solution or a pro- product that is very similar to yours. So you can get a better idea of what the pain points are, what the motivations are, uh, what people are griping about, um, you know, that sort of thing. So you can take what you're finding there uh, from a voice of customer perspective in terms of the, the, the words, the actual words that are resonating that people are using. And then also, again, kind of bucket things that you're finding in there and, and placing them 
within those those buckets that I talked about, you know, those categories, which revolve around pains and motivations mm-hmm. and hesitations to purchase and all that kind of thing. So there are some things that you can do um, that will at least get you on the right track. And then once you get some traction and start getting customers, it's an ongoing process. No, that's so that's so good because you, you dedicated a whole chapter on that. And it's something that I didn't even think about. So th- thanks for, yeah. sh- for sharing all that. Absolutely. I'm just about to wrap up. Um, I love asking this question as well is what is your one piece of advice to any marketers about marketing, whether that's about research or copy or website? Like what is your one piece of advice to to marketers? I would say in terms of, um, you know, improving your marketing assets, improving your website, you know, anything that you're working on, look at the quantitative data first. So whether that's, you know, your Google Analytics, um, Heap, whatever it is, uh, look at that to get an idea of what's not working. If you can really figure out where are the roadblocks? Where are people getting stuck? And then from there, find out the why. So that's when you want to dig in with those interviews, surveys, whatever you can do um, to talk to your prospects and customers to understand what makes them tick and why they're making the decisions they're making. And it's not, like I said, it's an ongoing process. It's it's really never going to end. That's so good. Thanks for sharing that. Just last question. What is your call to action to my listeners? Where do you want them to go from this if they want to find out more about you? You can uh, you can go to my site, which is makementionmedia.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Jen Havis. Uh I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and you can check out my book. It's finding the right message it's on amazon you should be able to find me i'm all over the place <laughs> awesome that's the mark of our true marketer as you can find them easily just with their exactly. names exactly well thank you so much for your time early i do appreciate it absolutely thanks so much it was great well that's it for this episode i just want to share with you my three key takeaways and learnings from this episode one go deeper with your buyer personas According to Jen, most buyer personas are wishful, thinking, fluffy on who they want their customers to be and not actually who their customers are. Talk to your best customers to identify the expectations, needs, wants, and concerns of your customer and you can have a real better sense of who your buyer personas are. Number two, understand what was happening in the life and business of your customers that pushed them to seek a solution like yours. Jen said that this is one of the best ways to figure out their motivations and triggers so you can use those triggers on your website copy to improve your conversion rates. Number three, the most important thing to remember when writing website copy is understanding your prospect's state of awareness. For one of Jen's clients, one customer segment was more aware of the problem and solution than another. So they crafted different pages for the two segments and that improved the conversion rate. Did I miss something? Share with me your takeaways from this episode on Twitter at RamleyJohn. My DMs are open or you can email me ramley at growthtoday.fm. Before I end, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, I said in the beginning, this episode and this podcast is a one-person show. I record, edit, and create all the marketing materials for this podcast. 
in my free time. There's a lot of work and I have tools and hosting that I do have to cover. So I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a demand generation and ops agency. You can get a free road mapping at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT. I also want to thank my Patreon supporters, my early adopter patrons, Jamie Ward from Las Vegas, Veronica from London, UK, Fabricio Marches from Brazil, Nicholas Vargas from Sydney, Sam Grover from New Zealand, Joseph Valenti from Canada, and Lewis Nichols from Switzerland. I just really want to appreciate you for making this episode possible. And for you, if you've been listening to a few episodes now, please support me. You can do it in three easy ways. First, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn. Second, you can join the Grow Today mailing list. You'll get the cheat sheet directly emailed to you. I'll also tell you who my next guests are. And third, support me on Patreon for as little as $2 per episode for exclusive content and access. With your support, I can pay for my hosting fees, marketing tools, and with your help, I can continue to get some amazing experts on this show. Well, that's it for this episode. I will catch you in the next one. As always, keep on growing. Keep on growing.